Hey, it's the FinTech Newscast. My name's John, and with me is Steve. How you doing? Good to be here, John. How are you this fine, fine Friday afternoon? I'm feeling pretty, pretty good. I'm not in jail. I'm not under indictment. Oh I'm not God. being investigated. None of that good stuff. You're but, not uh, in the news? Some, I'm not in the news uh, for a change. Unlike a lot of executives at Wells Fargo, I just saw in the news today that uh, Kerry Tolstead, formerly on the consumer banking side of Wells Fargo, uh, might be going to jail. Oh, oh, she's the one who used to be the head of the um, the retail bank at, at, at Wells, right? When retail they had the whole bank. thick account scandal. Yeah, yeah, right. Just when you think that would all be done, you know, that, that Wells Fargo thing has been going on since 2016. And we're both uh, refugees from Wells Fargo. So it's pretty interesting. And I, I think we got out at a good time. I, I think we did. Yeah. It's funny how, yeah, this has been, as you say, more than half a decade now. And it seems like it's they, they're unable to leave it behind. Whereas there's other banks that, that have actually had similar issues or similarly um, messed up practices, which seem to just kind of get, you know, get on with it fairly quickly. But yeah, well, it seems to be it. the whipping boy. Yeah, right, right. They just can't seem to shake this this negative uh, news cycle. It's it just, uh, like I said, seven, seven years now, I think, since it hit the news big time in 2016. They're asset capped, so I guess they haven't lost business because they can't uh, grow. But uh, that's that's a brand name that went from hero to to zero, uh, pretty pretty quick after being around for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, right from from the old west to then sort of being yeah the the face of um of unbridled American cap- capitalism going going right. Yeah, I wonder if they need some some branding um uh, help. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, you stole my lead in, Steve. <laughs> And this week, we're very lucky to have some branding experts with us, Dr. Kevin DeLaPlante, the Chief Knowledge Officer at Linker, and John Linker, the Chief Vision Officer and Founder of Linker. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. You know, we mentioned uh, this Wells Fargo. Any any takes? You guys are branding in the branding space. Uh, any takes on uh, uh, Wells Fargo and your thoughts about what's going on with them? continuously forever how, how how do they make it end i should say you know honesty and transparency about what happened um they really should think, try that yeah it, it's <laughs> you know um you know coming coming forward and you know i know there's a lot of controversy over what elon musk did uh at uh twitter slash x um you know releasing a bunch of internal communications about things that he felt were not above board in terms of the way that uh, Twitter had been interacting with the government um, and, and letting people decide, you know, I think in, in the same way, um, you know, the, the internal investigations, external investigations, um, probably the internal investigation should be more, even more rigorous than the external uh, investigation. And then the people who have been fired at the top, and obviously that's, uh, that's where people should be fired. Uh, the people that replace them should do a complete forensic audit of everything that happened and then provide a completely transparent report to the public and talk about you know what happened, how it happened, how it was allowed to happen, uh, and then what the, uh, the changes that are going to be made to the organization are and um, a roadmap for rebuilding trust with uh, the you know, various stakeholders in the community in general, um, that, that should be outlined clearly 
And then there should be a press conference to let people ask questions where um, thorough and genuine answers are given. Now, I understand because of of liability and, and needing to, you know, the lawyers get involved and, you know, you're not allowed to do that. Um, you know, well, Elon showed us that you can. And I think that that's, that's about the only way that you're going to rebuild trust because, you know, you're, you're, um, you know, the, the equity they had in their brand has greatly been diminished over the years. And, and, you know, this latest reminder is just, um, you know, going to serve to erode people's confidence further. So what people believe about Wells Fargo is what the brand is. The brand is what people believe about you. Well, hopefully uh, when you go to your clients, uh, they don't have uh, issues this large. But but what is it uh, you guys uh, focus on, you specialize in, and, and what's your, your target clients? Well, Linker focuses on providing growth consulting and marketing services for our clients. Um, we're not like a marketing firm in a traditional sense or an advertising agency. Um, we're not just simply trying to um, be contracted to do a bunch of projects or or put initiatives in motion for clients. Um, we are uh, trying to help them establish a really smart strategic plan for business growth and create a roadmap for uh, attaining a succession of milestones and then really being their partner in uh, moving down that pathway towards achieving those objectives. And because uh, so much of succeeding in business relates to influencing various audiences to buy into your value proposition, Marketing is, uh, and principles of marketing uh, are really at the core of, of what we do. Yeah. When I started in, in this business, I had, you know, the common, you know, misunderstandings about brand is that you kind of associate it with a logo or a website or those sort of visually identifiable markers for a product or a service. Um, but I've come to realize it's much more about how that brand is, shows up in the market and how it shows up in the lives of the audiences that you're serving. So there are better ways of talking about brand, the way that brand can affect businesses success. And it's better to think of it around, you know, analogies with things like fame or reputation, you know, mm-hmm. for in terms of human uh, uh, metaphors, like your fame is how many people know you recognize you if you're, if no one knows who you are at all, then you can't influence them. Right. Or infamous. So, exactly. So, so fame captures something about recognition and awareness, but it doesn't say anything about positive or negative reputation. So add on reputation to that concept, fame, and then there's reputation. So you could have a lot of fame, but a really poor reputation, and you could have a really great reputation amongst a smaller group of people. And that reputation has to do with, you know, um, uh, what what you're known for, what people think about you, what what people feel about you, what associations they bring to you, when when they think about you, and then a third dimension of it is kind of like, what difference do you make in their lives? So you could be known, you could have a good reputation, but if they never really consider you when going about their daily lives, if they're not thinking about you in moments that are relevant to them, then you're not playing any role, active role in, in their daily lives. So you can also talk about the role that the brand plays in the lives of, the, uh, of their audience. And, you know, what, in what context do you show up? In what occasions in someone's life do they think of you? And that's crucial, too, to getting uh, your brand identity out 
to in in the marketplace. It's crucial that you show up in the in the mind of the audience in the moments when they need a service like yours. I, I can imagine that this has changed, or it keeps changing all the time with the way social media can kind of just mm. run off in in its own way. It's hard to control the narrative or your your the the perception of your of you can be can be hijacked or 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 taking in different directions. Uh, is, is that something, uh, is that a, a real concern or or is that something that's more manageable than, than I think it is? You know, when we think of social media, you know, what's the ultimate goal have to have followers, right? You know, how many followers do you have? And, you know, that gets to some of the points Kevin just made about, you know, your personal brand. Um, if you're an individual or your, your brand as a company. Um, yeah, but the question is, we use that word follow, where are we asking people to follow us to? Right? We don't often think about that. And we want people to kind of sign up to, you know, be alerted to information that we publish. Um, we want to show up on their feed or, you know, what have you. But I, I think, you know, part of branding is is really organizing and, you know, your thoughts around your value proposition and what is a value proposition? It is, it's a promise to an audience that if they say yes to you in whatever capacity, um, they sign up for your platform, you know, they subscribe, they, they hire you, they, they bank with you, you know, whatever it is, um, that, that you're going to provide a certain kind of value to them and that they're going to, you know, go along with your program and, and follow you along a pathway towards realizing that value. And so one of the one of the things that we run into all the time, especially when it comes to social media, is that people really don't understand what to do once they get attention, once they get somebody to subscribe or follow. Um, there needs to be a game plan. There needs to be a vision, a trajectory uh, that that helps you operationalize the process of delivering that value. And the degree to which you succeed, uh, is the degree to which the the public will, um, you know, have more awareness of you, have higher confidence in you, uh, find you more relevant, and and find that it's necessary to integrate you as part of their lives. You know, to Kevin's points, uh, and then you can start, you know, that exchange of value over time and and keep refining it. So social media, um, you know, has the potential to be really powerful, but, um, you know people are always going to have freedom to express views that, that can diminish your reputation on social media. I, I think a bigger problem for a business, however, is um, the fact that they're, they, they sort of abdicate responsibility for leading people in a direction and using social media as sort of an on-ramp into that customer journey and then knowing how to organize their efforts so that they keep advancing uh, the the stakeholders who are following you into deeper and deeper value. So the the biggest problem is is just not showing up and not not knowing what to do next. In my opinion. So, so you've mentioned the idea of brand equity and 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 of course you mentioned the the Wells Fargo case where they lost a lot of brand equity. But I'm wondering, are there any quantifiable ways to assess a company's brand equity other than surveys, um, which I think in many cases could be flawed because I, I find that a lot of Self-reported information can either be flawed or just not as accurate. But is there a quantifiable way to to, to track how well a company is performing brand-wise? 
Well, absolutely. I mean, you think about customer acquisition costs as an example. So we have various simulation models that we run to try to predict what the capital requirements are for launching a platform, for example. Okay. And you think about early on when you're first launching, nobody's ever heard of you, right? There are certain factors that come into the math, the conversion math, right? Um, you know, the cost of getting that initial attention is going to be higher because every time somebody hears about you, they don't know you. You've, you've got to kind of assemble belief in their minds that it's an investment. But once you're, you know, 10 years into a positive reputation and, and you become the de facto market leader, um, some of those factors that that get put into the mathematics of of customer acquisition and retention and those kinds of things, they change. It, it becomes less costly. It becomes less costly to acquire a customer based on the strength of that reputation. So th that's just one way to factor in um, brand equity uh, into the equation. I mean, usually on larger corporations' uh, annual reports, you know, there'll be some kind of um, line item about, you know, the value of the brand, mm -hmm. you know, um, what, how you can quantify when you go to sell a company, for example, you know, the fact that it's got that brand reputation is a big part about why people are buying into it because people believe something about those hotels or those, you know, cars or that, um, that, uh, firm offering services, you know, whatever it is, you know, so much effort and, and investment has gone into building that reputation and building that that following or, or what have you um, that it that it, it it's worth money. You know, it's 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 literally worth money, and it can be billions of dollars in some cases. So um, I'm I'm curious here because this is so interesting. I find that um, branding now in 2023, given given our hyperpolarized environment, is sort of a tricky thing, right? You have companies like say REI or Nike, which kind of pr pride themselves on being socially conscious, and you know, um, like REI, not REI, um, Patagonia, saying that they're not going to sell vests to the tech bros and all that, right? And you have Nike supporting Colin Kaepernick a few years ago, and then you have companies on the other side, you know, Black Rifle Coffee, etc. How do you? Is it is it even possible to come up with a with a brand that resonates with most of the public without alienating at least a portion of the population based on how politics has basically infected all that we do or or is or, or is that just a a bygone era of branding and strategy there's there's lots of things there's, there's there's a couple of practical things and a couple of other you know issues one is that the issue about um you know wanting to um have a brand that makes everybody happy really is only a problem for big brands Small brands, they really need um, to be focusing on market segments, growing a brand around a specific market segment with a specific identity around it so that your product or service is sort of targeted to, to them. You're really not trying to make a product for everybody. You're making a product for solve a problem for a particular market segment. And so, and you, so there you need to re, really make sure that your brand alignment is in line with the lived reality of, of the group that you're targeting. But as you get bigger and become like a mass brand, then of course you have these multiple, these overlapping audience segments. You have a mass market, then of course you're going to have this this um, um, urge maybe to uh, have a message that makes everybody happy, and that can work if you're a, a um, 
a commodity product in, in some ways that works. I mean, Coke works uh, by spreading, you know, its brand motto is about spreading joy, creating moments of joy. You know, Disney is uh, all these things have have really uh, high level abstract brand brand mottos. You know, because they're looking for something that is universally desired. Um, um, but in terms of navigating the waters of increasingly polarized audiences, um, I have a specific interest in this because I ended up do, spending what five years in a, a research project around dissecting and analyzing the root causes of social polarization, the impacts that it has on people's ability to think smartly, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I did a podcast on this. I created content a, a, a around this. And, uh, you know, the good news is that people are are malleable and there and um, there was we still it's still true that we have a lot more in common than, than, than we have um, different about us. But those differences are what create create brand identity, really. The differences are what create um, that is finding differences that make a difference to a segment is what creates real brand attraction. So you've got it's it's the specific it's the specificity of it that makes it a, a compelling value proposition. If you, if you water down the value proposition so that it doesn't offend anybody, then you do risk having no brand at all. On the other side, right? So you, you mentioned that this is a, a larger issue or a more important issue for the more established companies as well. Since you do work with startups, how do you then help a startup that maybe, you know, just achieve maybe product market fit? They have some some customers, they have some traction, but how do then how do they then go about creating a brand for them as well? Since it's sort of a tabula rasa, if you will. Well, again, I mean, we we don't think of brand as something that you create as a separate exercise. Um, we believe that your brand is what people believe about you. Hmm. So, you know, the the minute that you come up with an idea for a business and you go home and, and you tell your significant other about it and you're trying to get them excited about the idea, you are creating a brand. You are trying to influence that that partner or spouse or what have you to get excited. Wow, that sounds great. You should pursue that, right? You're trying to instill belief to, you know, you know, in that case, get some support to go to the next thing. And you send that into the future, you're going to pitch to raise money. And um, you are trying to make a group of investors believe that your value proposition to a given market is going to be uh, differentiated enough that, um, and, and if you have the right game plan and the right team and all these things, um, that, that it's going to be successful. Um, and so at every moment of intersection with people that need to get behind you, you are building brand equity. You are building belief. And, you know, there's, there's two th parts to that process. One is people need to understand what it is that you're offering. You know, there has to be basic comprehension. And the second thing is that you know, they have to believe the veracity of your claims. They have to believe that you can deliver the outcomes that you're purporting to be able to deliver. And um, in all human kind of interactions, you know, this is this is what's happening. Even as you're walking down the street and you see somebody coming towards you, you know, kind of unconsciously, we're going through this, you know, valence and intensity decision. You know, is that person coming towards me good for me or bad for me? Right? That's, you know, the valence. And then the intensity is, how good or bad for me are they? And if somebody's running towards me with a knife, it's like, oh, bad, really bad. I'm running, right? Or, you know, you see a cute little puppy running and wagging its tail. It's, oh, you know, good, really good. I needed this 
you know, in my life. And, and as we kind of, you know, expand that into our, our behavior as consumers, and, and there's a landscape around us, just endless landscape of options for different kinds of consumptive choices, um, or as we're choosing business tools or whatever. And, and we're, we're doing this kind of unconscious, rapid comparative analysis, what's good for me, but what's bad for me. And, and to what degree is that so? And the if you look at a, a market where there's a lot of commodities and and there's very little differentiation, you know you know people are they don't care you know it's it, what's the cheapest that's the that's the option I want to go with. But when you really build a sense of wow that is really good that stands out that's that's head and shoulders above the competition. Um, I'm going to choose that. And well, hey, what's that going to cost me? That becomes kind of the secondary thing, but they want that thing that they've seen that's so differentiated. And so, you know, our work is really about understanding the audience and the way that they're going to engage with us at each moment of interaction as they move through various stages of their relationship with us over time. And part of what we really do at Linker in, in a very practical sense, there's there's really you know, four things, you know, market opportunity analysis is the first thing, really thinking through the market, the need in the marketplace, and what's the business opportunity uh, for a given uh, entity, you know, asking, you know, you know, why this, why are you offering this thing that you're planning to offer? Why now? Why is now the right time to be doing this? And why you, why are you the one to do it? And if if they have good answers for those three things, you know, it's qualified enough to, to kind of go further. But Looking at the market opportunity is the first thing. And then once you identify your audiences and the people you're going to serve, and you look at the competitive landscape, you've got to think about the benefits that are being offered to those audiences. And so we have this thing we call opportunity benefit planning, which is you look at the market opportunity, you look at the people that you need to serve, and you ask yourself this question, what is it that we could offer as a benefit to each of these audiences, that if we offered it, would make us the undeniable solution in the marketplace. So, in other words, you know, if you think about dating as an analogy, you know, you know, before you have a first date, you're at a stage of the relationship where there isn't necessarily romantic interest established, right? So, what's the goal? The goal is, you know, get to know, let that person get to know me enough to where romantic interest is established. And then how is that signified? Yes, I'll go out with you on a date, right? Well, now they've they've said yes. And in and, and the next stage of the relationship is probably two hours of, of their lives. That it's advice that. is a, a little bit too late for me. Damn it. <laughs> so, so what I'm saying is that, you know, you know, in that next stage of the relationship, there's only one goal. You're on a first date. What's the goal? The goal is to have them go, wow, I had a really great time. I would love to go out with you again. That's the goal. If you know that's the goal of that stage of the relationship, you're not going to be talking about scary things. This is why people do so poorly on first dates. They talk about things they shouldn't talk about. They scare away the other person and they never just establish that basic, wow, I really like you. And this, this was so fun. Gosh, I want more of this. Let's do this again. And, and in business, it's the same way. We need to think about the customer journey in terms of appropriate stages. And another example is you go into a car dealership and a salesperson walks up to you and says, hi, my name is John. Are you here to buy a car today? It's like in that moment as a human to human interaction where, you know, we, we, 
would like to just be greeted and hi, and, you know, you, you know, I value, thanks for coming in today. Is there any, you know, if, if you need anything, let me know. It's, Hey, I'm John. What can I get out of you today? Are you going to let me get something out of you? And it just completely ruins the, the uh, social dynamic and, and the potential confidence that could build in, in that person. You can think of a million other things that would be more appropriate, but we do this in business all the time. We, we put out information, whether it's our, on social media or websites or um, you know presentations we give, um, raising money, for example, if you're raising money for your tech startup and you go in and this, this happens like 95% of the time, um, you know, the founder goes in and does a pitch and the pitch is all about the technology in really great, boring detail. Hmm. It's, it's this big infomercial about all the cool stuff this platform is going to do has nothing to do with what that audience is interested in. What they're interested in is, why is this a good investment for me? What is making a decision to invest in you versus the the myriad other options? Why is that a good decision for me as an investor? And to focus on that and to have a really compelling case about that to the degree that it's like, wow, that sounds like a great value proposition for me I'm super curious now about what this is actually all about. Send me the paper. Let me let me see the specs. Okay, I'll sign your NDA. Um, now they are they believe something about what's in it for them that that stands out from the crowd, and they want to put their own energy and initiative to understanding. And and again, so just thinking through the stages of the customer journey for any audience and an investor, you can think of it like a customer. Uh, or even attracting employees to join your team. You know, they're an audience, you're trying to influence them. So thinking through this is, is something that we do and we call it relationship mapping and thinking through the logistics of, of mapping a relationship, the stages of that relationship, the, the milestones at each stage that if if a, if a audience member passes through that milestone, they enter this new stage. Uh, thinking about you know the, the 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 dynamics of that and all the intersections uh, with your brand that any given individual will have, and then the four stages. Okay, you know who you're talking to. You know, you know basically what stage of the relationship is. Uh, you know all the different things you're deploying out there to move them to that next milestone. The next thing you have to think about is well, how do we at each moment of interaction with this audience, how do we create a great experience? Right? How do we make it enjoyable? How do we make it compelling, interesting, understandable, believable? How do you create that effective experience in those moments of interaction? Now, unfortunately, in branding and, and creative and in marketing, most of what people are thinking about is that last part. They're thinking about, let's do something cool. Let's get a bunch of attention. And we want a really cool logo. Let's do a video that's really edgy and gets people to kind of look and pay attention. You know, it's all about the creative. But the fact is that unless you understand the, the the complete dynamics of how you're going to build relationship over time to lead to the outcomes that satisfy everybody's needs as stakeholders to maximize customer lifetime value, not just the value of the customer to you as a business, but the value of you as a business to the customer, right? Mm -hmm. Thinking through all of that, making sure you understand the, the market opportunities so that what you're delivering, this is another huge mistake. We you, you can tell you the number of clients that come to us and, and they have put years and millions of dollars into building something that they hadn't properly qualified. They really had just this thing they thought was cool. They wanted to build, they believed it was right, but they, they never properly understood the market opportunity. They didn't do the analysis. They didn't 
properly gauge what they were planning to do against competitors at a very granular level. They didn't think about the competitive strengths and weaknesses and the capital requirements of, of actually getting the traction that they want to get. So thinking through the market opportunity, once you find one, creating a stack of benefits that's so compelling that, that you can actually achieve, that when you build that and you tell the truth about that to the market, that people would be foolish to not say yes to you. Doing yeah, that's that. funny. That's funny you say that. One of the things I, I'd love to ask of our our fintech guests is, um, you know, what was the? Have you had a big pivot in your in your business? And and I love to see that flexibility in companies uh, that are, are are paying attention to the market, what people are telling them, and then making a change and and adjusting. Uh, but a lot of what you're describing, you know, uh, as far as um, uh, looking at the the value and the message that you're putting out there, uh, it can't just be like at the top or just in the sales department. What are the challenges in in getting uh, well changing the culture of a, a company? Really, is is I guess uh, what it would be, especially if they've been focused so much on their technology or I, like I mean I'm from the finance world, so I I, I would think about like uh, uh, the the plan and uh, uh, the the capital we need and and things like that. Um, how how do you work with the company to to make that change in their organization? The culture issue too. Well, it's deep, right? So it starts off with having um, a solid brand foundation to 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 start with. So the the course of the process of developing a strong brand identity um, is can starts from all different places. People walk in, they already have a strong sense of who they are, but they haven't. It's not well articulated, um, maybe, and. There's ways into it. So let's imagine you go through a process and we have a process for, for, for doing this with clients where we end up taking in all these inputs and we work with them over time and you end up with this really strong articulation of brand identity. Who would, who, why, do, what, why does my company exist? What are our values? What is our mission? Who is the audience that we're, we're trying to serve? What is our personality? How do we show up in their lives? What's our voice? What's our tone? What's our, you know, that whole spectrum of things. And then for that to be uh, actionable, it's got to be deployed in a way so that hey, it, it manifests in the culture, but also manifests in everything that you, you create for the market. So your product, your service, how your salespeople show up and talk, how your social media um, you know, posts are structured and, they, and, and uh, um, communicate, how your brand assets on your website and other, other places, do they... Do they express that same common brand identity core? That's what you want to be able to develop for a brand. So the, pro so yeah, the process of, of reconstructing uh, culture. With yeah, yeah. Companies too. <laughs> yeah. Reconstructing culture so that the culture comes becomes realigned with its brand message is a very, it's a very specific task, right? But it's going to involve more than just messaging. It's about leadership. It's about creating rituals. It's about firing people. You know, it's rough. Yeah, it's a whole strategic, I guess, execution that you have to do uh, and have this message. I, I like the idea, and I don't know how viable it is in a larger organization, uh, I mean, or at least it's exponentially harder, but to have everybody uh, give the same answer uh, or or very close at least with uh, when you say, what's the mission of our organization or what are our values? Uh, and and having everybody more or less kind of say the same thing, I always see that as a very good sign or a very good goal to have 
uh, from. Well, I mean, it, it's it's not it's not you know if you're if all of those statements are just platitudes, you know that's that's an issue, you know. But if you're if if your culture is deeply rooted in virtue, um, and and you attract and and vet employees um, based on authenticity and and genuine shared values, um, you know the natural uh, bubbling up of um, responses from any given person, any given moment, are, are naturally going to come from a place that's values aligned. It's not about having a monolithic, you know, unified front of of the same talking points. It's about people getting the impression from you at at different points of interaction with different people within your organization that what it is that you're preaching is emerging from a deep authenticity, um, a very real place. So when you go to um, an organization, is there a misperception that they can, uh, the organization kind of like outsource branding to you rather than, than internalize it this way? Well, we, we don't really think that you can outsource branding yeah, sure. at all. Um, and we, we don't take on the responsibility of creating branding for our clients. What we do is we facilitate the emergence and the distillation and and kind of the, um, you know, increasing the resolution around the most important parts of a company's identity, so that extraneous things can kind of be moved out out of the way uh, to bring more focus and clarity around the things that are really important. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, um, there was there was an interesting book. I I've never mentioned this before in an interview. Um, There's a book that I saw. I don't know who it's by, but you you could probably Google it or go on Amazon uh, and find it. it. It's called The House of Belief, The House of Belief, and it's about interior design. And you know, normally you think you know you you you're building a house. You hire an architect. You hire an interior designer. You know, you think they have really good taste. They come in with a bunch of ideas to how to decorate your house. And it's like, wow, yeah, that all looks really impressive. And yeah, go do all that. But then you're just kind of taking on the taste and the skill and the sensibilities of this other external designer. This book, House of Belief, what it said is, you know, the the way that this interior designer went about uh, his or her practice was to get deeply involved with understanding the core essence of who uh, their clients are, and to try to navigate towards um, elements and artifacts and themes that emerge out of the reality of who they are, and then use those um, elements as motifs and 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 points of of um, thematic, you know, uh, differentiation for their interiors, and that's more like what we believe in is. Um, rather than come in with, you know, here's the latest trend, here's the latest style, you know, just, you know, kind of dress yourself up like this and everybody's going to like you. Um, we come in and say, let's really discover who you are. And, you know, one of the things that is so common is that, um, you know, you'll, you'll have a leadership team that brings you into something and, and they'll basically come and say, well, you know, in our industry, it's not like that. I mean, there's really nothing that emotional or special about what we do. It's just very practical. Well, that's and super uninspiring. <laughs> but but this is where people are. And 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 but you know, when you peel away the, you know, the 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 curtain or whatever and 
and say, no, there, there are things at the core of who you are that are beautiful, that when uncovered can be seen for something that's worthy of being promoted up into, you know, um, you know, put it on a stage so the public can see it. And, and then to find elements of genuine differentiation that will resonate with various audiences and then decide to make the investment in developing those further and building around those things and developing them so that what is true and beautiful about you becomes even more true, even more beautiful. It shows up at every level of granularity as you examine the DNA of an organization all the way up to, you know, the, the gigantic, you know, biological structures of the organization um, that, that it, it just rings true at every level, helping clients discover that and find out how the human factors that go into um, the work and the effort and the sweat and the tears that they put into delivering something to a market that, that, that part of the, the, the human drama and the energy around that really can come into focus in a way that, that creates belief and understanding in people's minds about you that, that makes them feel that you're worthy of them saying yes to you, of joining you, of investing you, of, of following you. This is, this is what we explore. You know, our, our firm Lenker is, is a little bit like a cross between a think tank and, you know, a traditional management consulting firm and, and kind of a marketing firm. Um, we're, we're deeply rooted in principles and ideas and values. And um, our aim is to, um, kind of like the Hippocratic Oath in, in the medical field, is to do no harm. Um, we want to get involved with clients in situations where all the stakeholders win. We have an interesting article about this um, on our website if people want to read about it. Um, that we we want to involve ourselves in delivering value um, for for every stakeholder and in thinking through how to build a differentiated set of product service or platform offerings um, that are going to you know deliver that value in 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 a way that's clear, a way that rings true, in a way that uh, everybody wants to get behind. And when you do that, the clients end up really going through kind of a metamorphosis themselves. Their teams are infused with more energy. Uh, they get excited about what they're doing. They they realize, you know, the the most beautiful parts of themselves that are there that they want to work on and develop. Um, they they see the parts that are not as great and that really need to be, um, you know, uh, cut off or, or moved aside uh, to make room for the things that are really good. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, some really good points. Some really great advice. Hopefully, Wells Fargo will get a hold of you pretty soon. If anyone from there is listening, it's linker.com, by the way. It's linker.com slash fintech newscast. They can learn more about oh, us. Oh, nice. Thank <laughs> you very much. We always appreciate that. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, that's Dr. Kevin Delaplante, uh, CKO, Chief Knowledge Officer of Linker, and John Linker, the Chief Vision Officer and Founder. Please hit subscribe to keep up with the latest in fintech news and thank you for listening.